Man, good morning. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and go towards James 4. Let me get my light down here. My eyes aren't working good today. Um, it's all right. Man, um, good morning. So glad you guys are here with us this morning. Um, we do a lot of praying around here because... I'm just not anything special. I'm just a guy who showed up this morning. God's gifted me with the ability to stand in front of people, which is weird because I never thought I would do that. But um, I just, I'm aware of my need for God this morning. So uh, I'm going to pray just for me real quick. And if you would, you can just pray for me. Um, Father God, this morning I need you. God, I need you more than anything else this morning. God, without you this morning, I don't have any words. Without you this morning, God, I don't, I don't have anything to say, not anything that's going to be worth anything. So, God, I'm aware um, of exactly who I am. So, God, this morning, I just pray that you just move beyond me, that, God, that you go beyond my ability to remember and comprehend, God, that this morning you go beyond my um, ability to speak, and, God, not that you give me pretty words, because I don't want that, but you give just a powerful representation of your spirit this morning. God, that we wouldn't just hear about you, but, God, this morning we could feel you just moving in the room with us. God, that this morning we wouldn't just sing songs and, and say some word and do the church thing because the church thing's not going to get anybody anywhere. There's all kinds of buildings and shrines and temples all around the planet. And in the absence of God, there's nothing spectacular that's going to take place at any of those this morning. So God, this morning, we need you. We don't need me. We need you. We don't need my words. We need you. I need you. So God, this morning, I just ask that you would make my heart aware of my need for you. And that, God, if you would just give us grace this morning, that would be my prayer for everybody. God, that you'd make our hearts aware of our need for you. God, that we wouldn't be able to just sing songs like, Lord, I need you, and not really mean it. We wouldn't be able to pray prayers about how we need you and not really mean it. That, God, this morning you would just open our spiritual eyes this morning to the fact that we aren't anything without you and we aren't going anywhere without you. God, just move in this place. Amen. Um, good morning. Um, like I said, this morning we're going to be in James 4 and... Um, Kind of excited about this this morning, but if I was to be honest with you, a little scared of this this morning. Um, as I was praying this week, God, what would, what would you say? Um, I don't I hope I never go through a week where I don't pray that. Um, God, what would you say to us? And just pray in what God has in, in this house this morning. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't getting anything. <laughs> like, Started praying this, I don't remember if it was Sunday or Monday. Um, God, what would you say? And some weeks it's like, bam, there it is, and I know, and I don't have to worry about it. And some weeks it's like, God just waits till that moment. Um, and he's like, here you go. Um, and um, anyway, I hadn't heard anything all week. And then last night I was just seeking, God, what would you say? And um, he told me, and then I wrestled with him for like two hours, which is a waste of time because he wins every time. Um, and just laid there flipping through, reading so many different things. But I couldn't get this thought off my mind um, about our need 
for God. See, in reality, I, I know that I, I know that I need Him, and sometimes I forget that. Right? Like you, you say the words, but but you, you just in your heart you just forget that like everything we are, everything we do is all wrapped around Him, really. And without Him, we aren't anything, and we aren't going to be anything, and we aren't going anywhere. And um, anyway, I, I think I read, I made a joke this morning that I read the whole Bible last night, but I really feel like maybe I did. And it all come back every time I'd read something, and this would be in my head, and I'd read something, this would be in my head, and it all came back to this. So this morning, we're going to continue um, on this series we've been in, Look Up, and um, I don't know that it really fits here, but it's going to fit here. Um, <laughs> but last week, we, we talked about how the treasure of heaven was inviting us to make him our treasure. I think that's amazing. That God would invite us to treasure him, to want him, to desire him, to find him valuable. And one of the statements in that whole message was um, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can actually desire God, that we can want him, we can be close to him. And as I was saying that, I just, it was like God spoke to me and he's like, man, not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows that you can desire God, that that's even like a thing on the radar. I think I was saved when I was 11 years old, and for like the next 10 years, I just went to church, because that's what you do, right? You just come to church, and you sing the songs, whatever songs they sing at the church that you go to, and uh, listen to preaching, and it was good preaching. But I just kind of was doing the thing. And then I went, and I think I've told this story a few times, so if you've heard it, you're going to hear it again. But I went to a church camp, I think when I was maybe 20, 19 for the first time, and um, and I saw these people that were worshiping. I'd never seen that really before. I'd seen people, like, get maybe a little emotional, like do a little tear thing or well glory or whatever your thing is, right? <clears throat> and And I'd seen something, but I just, it never really hit me. And I, I went to this camp, and... People my age, right? Like not people that are maybe older, so you think are far closer to Jesus, but people my age were like crying and they had their hands up and it was weird. I'd never seen it before and it really kind of bothered me. Not like in a, this is irreverent, but it bothered me in a, in a way that I'm like, I don't understand this. What's happening? Why, why are they crying? Why do they have their hands up? And I tried it, I was like, that's weird, right? Like, just the, I'm going to do that thing, and, and, and I expected to feel something. I didn't feel something, so I put my hand down. And anyway, by the end of the week, I remember just one day I got down on my knees, and I was pretending like I was worshiping, doing the thing. It's possible. I don't know if you've realized that yet, but it's possible to do the thing and pretend to worship. Um, and, I, and I lifted my hands, and pro- everybody's like, oh, he's so spiritual, right? But in me, what I was praying is, God, if I'm not saved, I need you to save me. So on the outside, all about Jesus. And on the inside, I don't even know that I know him. Nine years into what was supposed to be a relationship with him, I find myself on a floor praying, God, what's up with me? I got up, and I'll be honest, I didn't hear anything from God. Maybe you're like shocked at that. That's so weird. God didn't speak to you, and you prayed that prayer. Um, It's really not. Because what I was doing on the outside was faking something that I didn't have. 
That's possible. And I don't think God answers that. I don't even think God maybe even takes notice of that. In the Bible, what's it talk about all the time? Be humble before God. Be humble before God. Not fake some relationship you don't have so you can impress people around you, but be broken on the inside. I've never read that. So I left and I went back to the church thing, right? It's comfortable there. Sat in a chair. Maybe got a little well glory every once in a while when we were singing Victory in Jesus or whatever. And um, sitting in the pew, listening, smiling, agreeing, but very empty. Went back the next year and the same thing happened. From not one, there's people crying, their hands are up. And I'm like, I don't get that. Why don't I have an emotional response to God? Because in my head, I knew like that's what it should look like. Have you thought that? That's, that's what it should look like to, to, to know God and to enjoy God. They're weeping and their hands are up. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Am I lost? So I find myself on the floor again. My hands are up. God, save me if I'm not. Went home, right? Another year, another comfort zone. Come back the next year, and it was like from night one, I found myself on the floor every night. God, if I'm not saved, save me. And I'd get up and nothing. And Tuesday night, God, if I'm not saved, save me. And nothing. And I remember at the end of the week, there was um, this pastor. I don't know his name. He's not really important. He's just some guy just like me. Um, and he was given a message. I don't remember what it's about, but I remember at the end of that message, he did one of those like Hans 57 prayers. You know what I mean? Like if you need basically anything, just come down here. If you need to get saved, if you need to rededicate your life, I don't even know what that is. If you need to pray about your cat, like whatever, right? Like come down here and do it. And I remember like I was going to sit there and it was like God spoke to me and he said, are you more worried about what they think of you than what I think of you? That's not the first word you want to hear from God after a week of praying, God, if I'm not saved, save me. That made sense, didn't it? I'm, pray, I'm faking something because I'm worried what people are going to think. And on the inside, what I should be worrying about is, God, what do you think? What do you think about my soul? What do you think about where I'm going? What do you think? And so I went down front, and even, in, even my pride, it's so crazy. I even put my hand on some guy's back and acted like I was praying for him. I wasn't fooling anybody. I didn't even know that guy. He's probably from some other state. Like, who is this touching me? And I just remember praying, God, if I'm not saved, save me. And after three years of like waiting in the dark, right, God spoke into that moment. And he said, it's not that you're not saved. It's that you don't know anything about me. Now, at this point in time, I'm 21 years old. I got saved when I was 11. So you can do the math there. I've been with Jesus for a while. And I got my confirmation. Oh, yeah, you know me, about me. You're saved but you don't know me. And he said to me, read your word. Because if you were to die today, the only thing you would know about the guy you're going to spend eternity with is he died on the cross, he rose again, and he's coming back. And that's not a relationship. It's not a relationship, right? If all you knew about your spouse or your significant other was like their name, it's not a relationship, I know your name and your hair color, right? But like literally, that's all some of us know about God, and we're supposed to go and we're supposed to spend eternity with this guy. 
And as I was laying there last night and I was literally reading the whole Bible, I just remember God speaking into that moment. And the, the reason I'm freaked out about this morning, I'll be honest, is it's like one whole verse. It's one verse. And I was like, God, that's not going to be enough. And it's like, man, why does it matter how long it is if the truth is this morning what we need is God? See, in reality this morning, I may be standing up here, but I'm in no less need of God than anybody in this room. And I may be talking this morning, but I'm in no less need of God than somebody who's never walked into a building like this. Um, Just because you said a prayer sometime and you're going to heaven doesn't mean that you don't need Jesus today. And my heart would be for us today that maybe just something, God, you just do something. God, we would hear from you. And you would just say to every person today, I, don't, I didn't come and die so you could go to heaven. I came and I gave my life so you could be with me. And that doesn't start when I resurrect you. And that doesn't start when you breathe your last breath. That starts today. So as I was thinking about this, and uh, I don't mean to be kind of down energy this morning, but I just feel like it's so serious. Um, And as I I was thinking about saying that last week, that, man, some of us maybe have never even heard that before. You can value God. You can treasure God. You can love God. You can have a relationship with God. Uh, It just hit me like that used to be me. And there's people today in the church that maybe we've been in this thing like 80 years, and we, we still, like, we feel like, man, shouldn't there be more? I don't want to take a poll this morning because I feel like most of us, if we were honest, would raise our hands. But like if we could be closer to God, wouldn't we be closer to God? Like if, if, if the opportunity was just up here today and it was easy, like, oh, come up here and just take this little slip and God will come and meet with you every single day. Uh, wouldn't, we, wouldn't we most of us do that probably? Because I think in reality, all of us know there really should be something more, Right? But we've, we've measured our relationship with God just about like weird things. Like we, we've, we've learned, I don't know how or where along the line, I don't even know if anybody's seen, said this or, or even seen this, but somehow it like gets downloaded into our brain that our relationship with God is measured by how many times we go to church a week or a month or how a year. And if you want to be really close to God, all you got to do is you just got to show up. But there are people literally all over the planet that show up to buildings that are supposed to be the house of God all the time. and Some of them don't know him. Is it possible for a non-Christian to walk into the church? Yes, right? And if our relationship with God is dependent upon walking into the church, then all you got to do to switch from non-Christian to Christian is just walk into the building, right? Or like pray. There's people that, that pray that are maybe not Christians. There's other religions that pray. Maybe even in a moment of desperation, somebody that didn't believe in God 30 minutes ago will then pray. Right? You maybe have friends that are proclaimed to be atheists or, you know, they, they've, they, they said they're not religious people. And then when something bad happens, they're like, will you pray for me? And if that's like the standard of our closeness with God in that moment, they become close with God. And does it doesn't make sense, does it? Or, you know, like 
being a good person. I know good people, moral people, right? There are no good people if you listen to the Bible, but moral people who are not church people. I know actually moral people that are not church people that are more moral than a lot of church people. And if that's the standard, if that's how we're close to God, well, then those people are maybe closer than some people that come in this building every week. Does that, it doesn't make sense though, right? But like, that's what we think, isn't it? Like, that's how we measure our closeness to God is like, I, I said that prayer before I ate my Subway, or like uh, when I wake up in the morning, I'd, I'd maybe read the Bible, or but like none of that in itself is, is closeness to God, right? Like it's good stuff, and if you're close to God, I do believe you'll desire those things and you'll do those things. Like I don't come to church because I want to be close to God. I come to church because I want to I want to meet with God and I want to meet with you guys while you meet with God. But I can do that at home. And anyway, this morning, um, as I was thinking about that, and even like if I said today, like raise your hand if you want to be closer to God, don't do that, right? But if I said that today, most of us would do that. And the funny thing is, is like God gave us the exact formula for that in James 4. In James 4, 8, actually, he says, draw near to God get close to God. It's like an invitation. It's not like a command. I think a lot of times we look at these things as like God's telling us to do this, but what God's really doing in this is he's inviting us to it. Draw near to God. You have the ability today to draw near to God. You can be near to God. Every person in this room today can draw near to God. It's an invitation, right? It's an invitation specifically to the church because it's in James. James was speaking to people who had professed to know Jesus, people that were saved people. But here he is giving this um, invitation to, to, to walk closer to God, to be near God. Meaning everybody in this room that knows Jesus, no matter like where you started out on the thing or where you are today, you could be like the farthest person from God in the room today. He, there's this invitation for you today that you can draw near or come near to God. And the invitation also comes with a promise. It says, draw near to God, and here's the promise part, and he will draw near to you. In other words, if you draw near God, then God will draw near you. If you take a step towards God, then God will take a step towards you. If you will walk in God's direction, God will walk back in your direction. It's kind of an amazing promise, isn't it? And it's an available promise for every person that knows Jesus today. If you'll come near me, is what God's saying, I'll come near to you. This cause and effect relationship. I think most of us think that nearness to God comes from me doing actions, me doing church things, me serving or me doing something in in this building or coming to this building. And that's not actually the thing at all, is it? God doesn't say, come to church more and I'll come close to you. He didn't say, learn more songs about Jesus, and I'll come close to you. He says, if you'll come near me, I'll come near you. If you'll step towards me, I'll step towards you. And that's available for everybody in the room today. It's available for everybody in the room today. If you'll draw near me, invitation, promise, I'll come near you. So how do we do that, right? What, what does it look like? If it doesn't look like coming to church more, then what does it look like? 
If it doesn't look like praying more prayers, then what does it look like? And the amazing thing is, he didn't just leave us out to, to, to think about it. He, he actually gives us the answer for this. He says, cleanse your hands, sinners. And I love this, because who's he talking to here? Church people, but what's the word he used? Cleanse your hands, Sinners. You can't be too far from God to hear this promise today. Do we have the definition for sinners back there? Sinner is just a person who transgresses, trespasses against divine law by committing an immoral act or acts. This way he says, cleanse your hands, sinners. Wash your hands of your lifestyle of sin. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Wash your hands of a lifestyle of sin. In other words, if we're, if we're chasing sin and we're leaning into sin, it's really hard to be leaning into God, isn't it? You can't group hug today Jesus and sin. You're not going to get them in the same circle, right? Those two things are not like the other. Like Jesus, holy, good, righteous, died for sin, crushed for sin. But he's not interested in being in a three-way relationship with you and sin. He says, if you want to be close to me, quit living in a lifestyle of sin. Quit living in a lifestyle of sin. If you want to be close to God, if you want to draw near to God, what you have to do is you have to put down some sin. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And he also says, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but anybody ever feel like you're too far, like you've sinned too much? Well, this invitation's for you, thank God, because it's for me too. We have the definition, I think, for double-minded people. We don't use that word a lot, but it's just marked by hypocrisy and to be insincere. Purify your hearts, hypocrites. Now, you don't have to debate me on this. You can ask anybody outside of the church today that didn't wake up and come here, but is the church full of hypocrites? Yes. Is that a good argument to not come to church? No. Walmart's full of hypocrites, right? You go to Walmart, then you can come to church, right? Lowe's is full of hypocrites. Sorry if you work there. It's just true. Um, I'm a hypocrite because I don't always do what I believe, right? I don't always aim everything at my belief system and that makes me a hypocrite and makes you a hypocrite it doesn't keep me from going to walmart so it shouldn't keep me from going to church but you're surrounded by hypocrites and you are one odds are god says if you want to be near to me um, then you have to purify your hearts double-minded people now, I love hypocrites is fine, but I love that last part, the insincere part, because I think if you could mark the church in something today, this would be the thing that we are most guilty of, right? We are more equipped today to be the church than any other day in history, right? Especially here. You can just walk up into any building today. You can, you can pray in public. You won't be hurt for that. There's countries where you'll be killed for that, but this is not one of them. We are more equipped to be the church today than any other time in history. There's a bookstore devoted to us, right? Like you can, you can go get Bibles in any translation you want. You can, you can find Christian music on the radio. Uh, you, you, can, you can fill everything in your life with Jesus, and maybe some of us do. But I think if you really think about the church and maybe even really think about some of our relationships 
with God, I think most of them or a lot of them would be marked with that idea of insincerity, that we're not sincere about what we do. We show up. Hallelujah. We're close to God now. We listen to Caleb. Hallelujah. We're close to God now, right? We have the t-shirts. We went to the Christian, we at least know where the Christian bookstore is, right? Like we have, probably most of you have more than one Bible at your house. There were times in history where you couldn't even get one of these things. Actually, the church used to discourage normal people from reading the Bible. It sounds crazy, but it's true. And today we're more equipped than any other time in history to be the church, but for some reason in this moment of equippedness, we've refused to be the church and we're just the people that go to church. And I'll just ask, and you don't, again, you don't have to respond this morning, but have you ever thought there has to be more than this? There has to be more than this. I've thought it over and over and over again. I grew up in church, and I've seen a lot of churches, and I've been in a lot of churches, and we've went to a lot of churches, and I've left a lot of churches. I've watched churches on TV. I've met church people. And if I could just sum up most of that experience, it's a very unsincere thing where we go through the motions and we do the things because what we do is we think that by doing the things, we're going to be close to Jesus and doing the things will never get you close to Jesus. Our proximity to Jesus is not marked by church attendance and it's not marked by how many Christian songs we know and it's not marked by like if we go on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday versus I only come Sunday. But it's actually marked by closeness. Closeness to God is determined by closeness to God. It's weird. And if you think about your life as I think about my life, what I would see is that there have been maybe periods of time or maybe I'm in just one long period of time that I've just not really been sincere with my relationship with God. And if I could just put a little bow on this, what it would be is what he's saying here is don't play games. Don't play the church game. And if you want to draw near to me, which in turn means I will draw near to you, then what you have to do is you have to quit playing the church game. If you want real closeness with God, you cannot, cannot play the church game. You can't continue to to live in this fake kind of momentum of Christianity. You have to get out of that. And you have to realize that proximity to God is determined by proximity to God. Well, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Last week, we talked about treasure, right? And lengthy talked about treasure. Like, we talked about treasure for quite a while. And really, what marks treasure is what you wrap your life around, right? What's important to you is what you will wrap your life around. Which means if your family is your treasure, most of your energy goes towards your family. Right? You, you, can, you can easily see it. If, if every action that I have is motivated by my family, they are the thing that I value most. If every action that I have is, is motivated by what my job will think or where my status will be or what my paycheck will look like, then one of those things is what I value most. If every action is aimed towards a new car or a new house or a new relationship, then, then that is the thing that I value most. And what we've done is we, we, we've said, I love Jesus, right? If I said, who loves Jesus? You're in church. You'd raise your hand. 
Even if you didn't feel that way, you'd be like, okay, it's I got to because I'm the only one, right? It'd be weird. It's peer pressure. It's a, it's a real thing. But do we treasure Jesus? Is everything in our life wrapped around Jesus? See, sincerity with my relationship with Jesus, that's what it looks like. At no point in time in the Bible did Jesus say, you know what, you just come to church. Go, go read it if you've never read it. I've never seen that. There's like one verse that's like, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers. It's an important verse. If you love Jesus, you, you'll come, right? That's just, it's part of the thing because you want to be around Jesus' people. It's how we grow. You cannot do Christianity on an island. You can't do it by yourself. God is three. He's community, and he desires community for us. It's a thing. But it's not the only thing. And if we really treasure Jesus, what we'll do is we will wrap everything around him. What does Jesus say to, to the disciples, right? Anybody wants to come follow me, he has to do it. He has to take up his cross. He has to follow me. Anybody that wants to save his life must lose his life. Anybody that wants eternal life has got to just lay down this thing. What does he say? Crucify yourself. What's, what's Paul say? To live as Christ. If I'm alive, I'm going to wrap my life around Jesus. But when I die, it's gain. He wasn't worried about all this horizontal thinking of I got to please this person and I got to do this thing. He wasn't trying to, to meet everybody's expectations of him. He was trying to wrap everything around Jesus. And if this person didn't like it, that was on them. Because there's something with their relationship with Jesus that's wrong. So insincerity with God would be a relationship that doesn't wrap your life around Jesus, but one that says, I will just add Jesus to my existing life. And I think if we were honest, that would be what most of us do, right? I have to work. Amen. How much do you think about Jesus at work? What's the goal of meeting those people that you work with? What, how, do, how you treat your boss? Does that display how Jesus would treat your boss? Are you always gospel-minded? Are, are you trying to show the love and the joy that is in your heart because of Jesus? Or are you just making a paycheck? Because those two things, right? Those are completely different things. There's this closeness that's motivated by Jesus and driven towards Jesus. That's the draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Or there's a this is what I have to do every day. But I go to church. Your family, it's okay to love your family. I'm not saying don't love your family. I think Jesus said you have to hate your family compared to him, but um, I'm not saying hate your family. I'm just saying that the loves are two different, two different loves. If you wrap everything around your family, you, you don't have anything left for God. So like when you're at home, are you trying to lead those people towards Jesus? Or are you intentionally trying to disciple your kids and your spouse and, and your aunt and uncle and your mom and dad? Are you trying to pour Jesus into those people's life and be Jesus in every situation? Or are you really just concerned about loving and spending time together and all that stuff? And by the way, we'll go to church on Sunday. So those are two completely different things, right? Those are two completely different things. And it's crazy to me, but, but I've, I live here, and I have lived here, and it's, it's bothersome, right? But only one of those things is what real, what real closeness to Jesus looks like. But we've boiled it down, and we've reduced it, and we've watered it, and we've... We've made it into something completely different, haven't we? 
we've reduced it to, I'm going to go to church. And because I go to church, I'll get close to God. There's not enough church in the week. It's not going to get you close. We've reduced it to, I'm just, I'm going I'm to pray before I go to bed. Well, hallelujah, amen. That's a great, that's a good start. It's not closeness. We've reduced it to, I'm going to change the radio station from my bad secular music to my good Jesus music. And now I'm close to God. Did that work for you? Because it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. We've reduced it to read the Bible. Well, that's great, but most of us just read to read, right? Like it's like, well, I've got to read chapter 5 tonight or God will be mad at me. We're not trying to dig in and find out who he is because we love him. We're trying to meet some checklist that we put on ourselves. That's not the same. But we have this beautiful invitation here, this draw near to me, come close to me, get in tight with me come as close as you can to me and when you do that man i'll come towards you if you take a step i'll take a step if you come my way i'll come your way this is how god thinks and this is what god offers this is what he wants i think i said this maybe in the prayer but jesus didn't simply just come to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins so we could go to church forever see the problem was greater than that the problem wasn't we couldn't go to church was it like there's a whole bunch of books in the back half of this book that we have that, that talk about a religious people. A people who went to church and a people who made sacrifices and offerings probably far greater than we could even comprehend some of these guys. There, there's a book about religious people. But the problem wasn't sin came to make us not religious people, was it? It was sin came to make us dead people, Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were headed towards hell. We were under the wrath of God. And then it says, but God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive through what? Through Jesus, the Messiah. The problem was in Genesis 3, we became separated from God. Everything before that, we walked with God. We had an intimacy with God, what God intends for us today. And then sin stepped into the picture. Why do we have to cleanse our hands? Sin stepped into the picture because we invited it. We drew near to sin. And today we're living in sin drawing near to us. And God hated it. For years and years and years he dealt with it. And Jesus came, right? He left heaven, he left glory, he came down, he lived a perfect life in our place. And then at the end of that life, he took our punishment, our wrath, our sin, our shame, our guilt on himself, and he died. And when he died, our sin, our shame, and our guilt, they died with him. Put him in a hole, and he came out. But he didn't come out carrying sin, shame, and guilt. They're in the hole. And here's the heart of the question today. Why did he do that? What was he restoring? Was he restoring church attendance? No. So why do, we try to, why do we try to make that the thing? It's never been enough. Was he re- restoring our ability to sing songs to God? No, people have been singing songs to God for a couple thousand years at that point in the game. He didn't come to restore that. So there's no reason to make that the thing. Was it so we could read more of the scripture? No, people had been reading and writing scripture for thousands of years. 
No, he came to restore intimacy with God. Man walked in the garden with God, and today God wants to walk with us. That's what he's offering today. When he says, draw near to me, he's not saying, play the church game harder. He's saying, have something real. Have something of substance. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Come close to me, and I'll come close to you. If you'll walk my way, I'll walk your way, because everything he was doing was pushing towards this intimacy, this thing that he wanted. And most of us think that's only available in heaven, but here's the thing, through the cross, it's available today. But the only way through that and to that is to treasure the treasure of heaven. Is to actually desire, to value, to want Jesus above all the other things. You know how silly it is to want something other than God? Didn't God create everything? What existed before God? Nothing. He created everything, and to put something else in his place, it's silly. He, I love your family, but he created your family, and they don't deserve that seat. You can have family time, but your family time better be in proportion to, to, to what God's called you to. And if not, that's your idol, and you love that, and that's your God. Some of you make your kids your God, and that's wrong. I'm sorry. Some of you make your spouse your God, and that's wrong. I'm sorry. God can be your God. Everything else has to be beneath that. Some of you make your job your God. That's wrong. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, that's called conviction. You can be mad at me, but what you really need to do is let God fix that. Some of you make your relationship your God. That's wrong. Sorry. Today, God's inviting you to let God be your God. He's saying, here's the invitation. If you draw near to me, promise, I'll draw near to you. Can I just say today that you today are as close to God as you want to be? I don't feel close to God. Then that's where you want to be. You today have the relationship with God that you desire. I don't feel like I have a relationship with God. Then that's the relationship you desire. Because God didn't put any stipulations on that, did he? Draw near to me if you're a good person. It's not there. He even says, right, you sinners, double-minded people. You worst of the worst, you least of the least, you farthest of the far, you can draw near. You that feel like you have no hope, you that feel like you're so far away, you can draw near. You that have messed it up, you hypocrite, you insincere person that for 40 years has been living a life of, yeah, whatever, Jesus, you can come near to me. You person that's messed it up so hard. You've, you've even led people away from me with your words. You can come near to me. You person that's fought against the church. Look, look what Paul would write, right? You person that's destroyed everything I've built. You person that's blasphemed my name. You, you can come close to me. In reality today, there's no excuse, right? There's no excuse. Where you are with Jesus today is where you want to be, but here's the grace in it. It's not where you have to stay. Where you are with Jesus today, that, that's, what, that's what you have, have worked. That's what you have done, but it's not what has to happen tomorrow. 
It's not what has to happen the next day. It doesn't have to stay that way. God today is saying to you and to you and to you, if you'll come my way, I'll come your way. I don't care what you've done. I died on the cross. It's gone. I don't care who you are. I died on the cross. You have a new name in me. I don't care what you've said. If you'll come, I'll come. If you'll step my way, I'll step your way. And today, I just want you to know all that begins with repentance. We have that word up there, I think. (coughs) To repent is to feel, right? Not fake. To feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. To feel and then to express, to say to God, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I put something else on your seat. It's nothing else that deserves that seat. I'm sorry that I built my life on something that you spoke into existence. I put it on the throne of God and it doesn't deserve the throne of God. It's a created thing and you're the creator. I'm sorry that I put me on the throne. I'll get off now because it's yours. And today, if you'll lay your gold in the dust, right? Then God will become your gold. 